With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Alrighty. Well, welcome back to Shut Up and Ball. I am Aaron Chow, accompanied by Mr. John Harris, as always, and we are back reacting to week 11 of the NFL. Um, yeah, and we're starting to kind of head not to the home stretch. We're like, what, probably at approaching that, like if you're thinking about relay 4x100, which I never did track. I don't know about you, John, um, but <laughs> I never did. I hated it. Um, put a ball in my hands. Uh, but anyways... I forget. I think they call the third leg they get, before the anchor. The anchor's the last person, but uh, I feel like we're at that point in the season uh, where you know it's starting to, starting to become crunch time for some teams and other teams. Uh, you know, we're starting to eliminate teams from the picture uh, mathematically too. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, got a busy week ahead of us. Obviously, it's Thanksgiving week. We'll get into those picks next episode. Uh, but right before I dive into our reactions, obviously as always, please like, comment, subscribe watch on youtube we are getting closer to 1000 subs there and then if you are uh listening via a podcast medium you know whether it be apple spotify etc um you know rate review however it's done there and uh yeah anyways gonna start with my game because uh not because you know it's my team but uh they happen to play on thursday and um feels like i forget too uh, I'm, I'm not sure has dallas had a thursday nighter this year, have y'all had one? I forget. Um, I don't I'm not. Think or does so. Thanksgiving kind of count for y'all? I don't usually. know. Thanksgiving we do, but okay. I don't think we've had one. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, man, it just it feels like my game was like weeks ago, um, compared to you know, because then everything happened Sunday. But um, yeah, I'm sure this loss still fresh in the memory of my Green Bay Packers as uh, the Tennessee Titans they beat my Packers 27 to 17. Uh, looked like it'd be a, a close game, at, you know, going entering the second half. Uh, but Titans pull away there as uh, Packer offense got stalled. I'll throw it to you first. I don't have much of a soliloquy, uh, but what were your thoughts in regards to the Thursday night result? Um, watching this game, honestly, the only thing that really stood out to me was the Packers' run defense was actually pretty decent here. Derrick Henry didn't have any like major game-changing runs that just like you know turned into something massive like a 50-yard play uh, he averaged three yards a carry so for the most part like they held strong the issue was uh you know on top of the fact that like Derrick Henry was slowly grinding stuff out I think that just wore the entire defense down because then we started to see big plays late um especially from Traylon Burks you know coming off of IR finally back from injury he had a big play uh, late in the game so you know the Derrick Henry effect was still real uh, but other than that I, I did think the Packers defense uh, for the most part as as good as you can possibly do uh, contained Derrick Henry for most of the game 
but still in Derrick Henry fashion, 87 yards and a touchdown. He also threw a touchdown, which was kind of surprising. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have much else to say. Titans are just a really well-coached team, and every time I see them play, I just can't help but think that because – I don't know. I think they have a really good roster, but it seems like they always just play above and beyond, even when they have injuries, different holes, just all this different kind of stuff that can go on. The production keeps on going. And um, yeah, Titans are a good team. Yeah, I think that's I think the point of preference that because once again, to put some respect on Ryan Tannehill's name, 22 for 27, 333 yards. I mean, he was on point most of the game. And uh, like you mentioned, Packer run defense. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit mentioned it a lot. I mean, they were they were loading the box and leaving corners on islands, uh, which presented a lot of you know one on one opportunities. You know, like you mentioned with Traylon Burks, Robert Woods. You know, had a solid performing performance, and then also just off the play action game too. You know, they got a lot of their tight ends involved, and uh, you know Austin Hooper had two touchdowns, and uh, you know Conkle uh, hit us once deep. So. Uh, yeah, just typical Tennessee fashion. You know, yes, they're going to predominantly run the ball, but uh, they do take, I want to say calculated shots too, but, you know, they're willing to take shots downfield when you're being over-aggressive. Over and, you know, like we saw, like it's obvious they have more confidence to handle than they do of uh, Malik Willis. So probably further, if, if it extinguishes that, at least Malik Willis for starter right now, Flame, um, if there was one. But uh, also respect to the Titans defense too. Like we mentioned previously, like, Kind of like New England, they don't. They typically start off getting cooked by a couple of teams, and everyone's like, "Oh man, this defense stinks." But you know, but then as the year as the year goes on, as you know, they start coaching up guys or figuring out you know some of the new pieces they have, or you know how to defend certain teams, they get better. And we saw in the second half with this this one. I mean, didn't help that Rodgers missed. I had a few uh you know plays and that he missed just throws that you know I think as we all saw there are a couple. There's one on that Lazard crosser. Just, just missed him. I mean, so, um, and I think even that last play, Rodgers, you know, took took the blame there, uh, shouldered the blame for that one. And um, not that he deserves all of it, but it kind of goes to show Packer pass offense, you know, not that great, especially, um, you know, once against Tennessee, they matched up really well and they, they kind of took away the run game as the run game was ineffective. So, um, yeah, I'm not, not too shocked by the results and, um, I mean, good game for Christian Watson. I guess, you know, kind of had two touchdowns, but that's, once again, not much production otherwise. So um, game win as I thought I would. And um, and like I mentioned, I think that – I know I mentioned before, but I think that's the official nail in the coffin. Grant said I think the final absolute end to our season here will be Sunday night. But for the Titans, they are creeping right back up towards the top of the NFC again, John. <laughs> you know, everyone last year, there was a surprise one seed – and right now they're right in the thick of things uh, to be the one C two. Not even like they're in the wild card. So uh, who knows? Maybe they'll uh, grab and steal that one seat again this year with the craziness going on in the AFC. Uh, but anyways, that's the Thursday game. Now we move to the Sunday games. Uh, gonna start with one that really did. The game itself was boring, uh, but uh, things that happened afterwards have kind of made some news headlines uh and it is the uneventful new england patriots they beat the jets 10 to 3 um and it was three all but it's like what 20 30 seconds left they my guy one of my rookies uh marcus jones took that late 
took a punt return in, won the game. I think it was also the first punt return of the season. So what a timely time for that. But uh, yeah, John, uh, you probably know, in case you don't know, a lot of people point the finger at, um, why am I blanking on, Zach Wilson. And his post-game comments didn't help when asked, you know, if, hey, like, what was it against? Like, do, do you take the blame or for this? Do you remember the quote? That they the asked, asked if he felt like the offense let the defense yes. down. And, and he, he said, said no. no. So, yeah, your thoughts on that and just this overall boring-ish game. On the game, don't have a ton of thoughts. <laughs> um, there wasn't a whole lot went on. Uh it's strange because when you look at like the stats for both teams, you'd think that the Patriots would have put up a lot more points here, but the Jets defense, they just started to hold strong, uh, especially once, you know, the Patriots would kind of get on the edge of field goal range and it was a very windy game. So like taking field goals wasn't like normal. Um, so there was a lot more times where teams would just punt, uh, or go for it in this one. Um, so shout out to both defenses because they both showed up and did their job. Now on the Zach Wilson stuff, um, I do think that there's kind of a bit of an overreaction all of a sudden of hate in his direction, specifically for his play. Um, I think that people are all of a sudden calling him a bust and blah, 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 all these kind of things. And I, I just, I, I feel like people just don't really learn or they don't care or don't try to learn. Cause it's like, did you not just see what happened to Justin Fields? Literally, to start the season, everybody was calling him a bust, and then some stuff changes, and he looks amazing, and now everybody's saying he's a franchise quarterback, and they're saying, oh, the Jets should have taken Justin Fields. Those same people were saying that once again, or probably you know trashing Justin Fields just a month ago. So I'm not out on Zach Wilson yet. That said, he did not play the greatest of games, but... I saw this coming. Like, it's Bill Belichick. There's very few quarterbacks, if ever, that have had success against the Patriots, and so I really didn't expect Zach Wilson to come out and light the world up. That being said, for his post-game press conference, I was not a fan of his comments. Um, I just think back to basically any other quarterback in the NFL right now and the way that they've sort of handled this stuff. I Someone posted a little montage of current quarterbacks responding to a very similar type of question. Dak Prescott for the Cowboys owned up to it. Josh Allen, even a few weeks ago, said, that's on me. You can't win games when your quarterback sucks. And, like, obviously Josh Allen doesn't suck, but, he, you know, he had a couple turnovers, and he was owning up to it. Uh, even, uh, I think it kind of conveniently got leaked uh, today. But Justin Fields, this past week, he, like, his defense, they didn't have the greatest of overall games, but near the end of the game, they got a stop, and they gave the offense – they gave the offense the ball back to try and go and take the lead, and Justin Fields did not. Uh, I believe that was the drive in which he threw an interception to basically end the game. And apparently afterwards, he stood up in front of the whole team, and he apologized and said that the offense let the defense down. And some of his teammates from the defensive side cut him off like mid-apology and were like, no, nah, we got your back, bro. Um, and so, you know, there, there's just other quarterbacks that have sort of responded differently to this. And I don't know if you've sort of kept up with it on Twitter, but there's kind of been a flurry of responses from different Jets players. Like Elijah Vera Tucker accidentally liked a tweet. Accidentally is what he said. Uh, that was trashing Wilson. Robert Sala would his non-committal on who the starting quarterback would be moving forward. And I do want to talk about that in a little bit, actually, after we give both of our takes. Um, 
so then Elijah Moore posts a picture of himself throwing a football to, I guess, reference that he wants to play quarterback. I don't know. There, there's just a lot of drama going on right now with the Jets. But for that postgame press conference, I was not really a fan of the way Zach Wilson handled it. And, uh, you know, I hope that this is a live and you learn moment for him because, like, just straight up, yeah, the offense let the defense down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the score. And for the record, that's not just on Zach, too. Like, that's the whole offense let the defense down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this, I think, A, the score is a little bit, the fact that it was 3 3 for so long and that the Jets could have won probably is feeding into this because. I think people forgetting too, like Nick Folk. You mentioned very windy day, tough throwing conditions. Uh, Nick Folk, you know, he missed two field goals too, so it could, have, you know, it easily could have been nine, you know, nine three, it, even before that punt return. You know, and if it's if he does do it, and that's like you know sixteen three, and it's a little bit different story. It's like man, the Jets' offense whole sucked, and so did Zach Wilson. Uh, it's, you know, maybe a little bit of the fact that they had hope at the end played into this more, and it being New York, of course. Um, on Grice's comments, I'll start there. Yeah, I mean, it's... Obviously, he probably should have taken the blame, and it you know, everyone's going after his self-awareness. I think it's... I'm assuming it's just a confidence thing. I'm not trying to make excuses for him because he did play terrible, and I do... He did play a big fact in the fact that they lost. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if he just... And wanted to get off this podium because that was, like, the last thing that, you know, his last question at that moment. So maybe he just... Want was kind of had a moment of honesty, but didn't think that oh maybe I should, I don't know. And who knows? We don't know how he is in the locker room, so we can all we can do is speculate. Um, but yeah, like this game, I think people forget to like Elijah Vera Tucker. You mentioned him; he's not playing. He hasn't been. You know, he's been out. He's out the rest of the year. Makai Becton, a first round guy that they invested in, been out, and they've kind of had this hodgepodge offensive line, and they also lost Brees Hall, who was you know remember they started this win streak because they got him going. Uh, but like you saw with the Patriots, even this game, run game wasn't going at all, and Jets became one-dimensional, and you mentioned uh, Bill Belichick great against rookies, and you know, now Zach Allen, or not, Zach Wilson isn't a rookie, but you know young quarterbacks in general, like you mentioned, struggled. Yeah, and we saw it today, and or not today, Sunday, and two, Chris Sims kind of mentioned it, they, like, their offense is still young, it's still a real, like we act like Elijah Moore, because he requested a trade, like, you know, that he's a bona fide, you know, lock it in guy. He's still in his second year and he's been struggling too. And, you know, Garrett Wilson's been, you know, he's still a rookie. So a lot of guys too, it doesn't help that they got a lot of guys chirping in that locker room, even though they really shouldn't. But hey, it's New York. So I'm assuming, you know, a lot of them have, I guess, microphone, more microphones attention to them. Uh, but yeah, I just obviously was not a great day in the office for Zach Wilson. I'm not even going to try to defend that. It was a bad day. Uh, but windy conditions, and once again, it'll show you too. I saw a stat: Zach Wilson was like third in average depth of target, while Mac Jones was like bottom, like four or five in average depth of target. So two, a little bit on the offensive coaching staff. Like you saw the Patriots, they were able to run the ball a little bit, but then a lot of the short passing game, as evident by the fact that Ramondre Stevenson was their leading receiver in both catches and yards, and same with Jacoby Myers. Both, you know, relatively, they they did knew the conditions there's that new England they probably you know felt that hey we'll just play it safe and wait for them to make mistakes and once again like people were recently getting upset Zach Wilson for all, all the interceptions didn't turn the ball over this game um and I know he only got sacked four times but he could have got sacked a lot more so to all the people that are saying oh Mike White or Joe Flacco would have won that game 
no, they would have gotten sacked eight or nine times just watching back that game. And, uh, yeah, that, I don't think they would have fared much better uh, under those conditions. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a typical Patriot game where, like I said, they're not afraid to play ugly, win ugly. And for the Jets, like, they had a few eye-popping wins, you know, because their defense scored points and they had Brees Hall. But And then now we're expecting the offense to be better, trying to hold it to those standards when different time of year and, like you mentioned, pretty good defense. So, uh, yeah, I, not giving Zach Wilson a pass, but, yeah, just like you, like you hit it perfectly. He's only in the second year. Like he still has time to grow. So um, what did you want to mention about, is it the potential Jets so, quarterback controversy? Yeah, so they asked Robert Sala after the game, some, th- some question basically asking, like, who's your quarterback moving forward? Is there any controversy? And he was noncommittal to starting Zach Wilson next week. He didn't say he was getting benched, but he wouldn't name who the starting quarterback was moving forward. And they, they asked him about it. They said, so you're you're not committing? And he goes, no, we, we got to look at the film and evaluate moving forward. Just wanted to hear your thoughts. I mean, I kind of figure that what you'd say, but just want to hear your thoughts on potentially benching Zach Wilson. Well, jokingly, I want to start out with, I should have mentioned this too, like apparently you've seen the coin thing, right? That person that did the coin flip for every Jets game. To determine if they yes. Like. So I according did. to the and coin, that... like all is according to a plan. So why are we all surprised? And apparently they're going to lose that this guy... week. So so maybe Robert literally... Saul is like, I need to throw, I need to save Zach Wilson. They're going to bench him this week from the coin. We're going to lose, and boom, you know he can come well, back and for, be the hero. If anyone if anyone doesn't understand, there there was a guy who he before the season started went through the entire jet schedule and he just flipped the coin to decide who would win and who would like which games they would win and lose and so far through 11 games he has gotten every single one right based on that coin flip and so he literally and he, i think he's a jets fan and so literally after they lost to the patriots he posted on twitter retweeting his own post about the initial coin flip post and just said i'm sorry <laughs> so he's taken he's taken blame for this yeah um but in regards to i guess what you know Salah said it's part of me thinks it's a little bit of the New York media. And I think New York, the New York media effect is real and the pressure of their fans. I just never seen a fan base just turn on people so quickly, so fast, just, you know, every which way. And I mean, yeah, I just, I, I, I think it's fair to think about maybe benching him for a game. Maybe, you know, at least because like I said, Zach did not really see the fill. Well, granted, tough conditions but you know he still obviously got room to grow i definitely agree with that so maybe that's why maybe and maybe robert solid you know you gotta try something different to get a spark going um because they are you know in playoff contention and such so i i wouldn't be opposed as much as the fan, zach wilson fan i am as i am i wouldn't be opposed if he does make a move it's understandable um but honestly and I know once again I'm a Zach Wilson fan. I I just feel like if they make a move, it's probably because all right, y'all y'all want to see the life without Zach Wilson, especially with this offensive line. Let's go. They throw out you know Joe Flacco or Mike White, whoever's second string, and you know I imagine they're probably going to struggle. I'm not saying he's going to set them up to fail, but give them a shot, and then I won't be shocked if he's like, yeah, well that's why you know Zach's our guy after you know after a loss if they lose to the Bears. So once once again, the coin predicts they will lose to the Bears. So. That's I'm not taking too much of a big deal because I still see the arm talent. Yeah, you know, I still see you see it at times. It's just like 
yeah, this Jets offense isn't as like pristine as everyone has tried to make it out to be. I think that's been part of the issue too. So, yeah, uh, I mean the arm talent's definitely there. I think it's just really the decision making right now, um, and hopefully that that's something that can be fixed because we've seen other quarterbacks struggle with that. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I think it's a slippery slope because. Once you kind of bench a young quarterback, like I can't think of the last time an NFL team in year two of an NFL rookie, not rookie, if a NFL quarterback's career, you bench him like midway through the season and then eventually he like comes back and is like the starter and becomes the franchise guy. Like I just, I, I mean, if we're, if we're comparing the two, because we have someone that loves to compare the two. Um, I know. Remember Tua? He got taken out at the end of games with in his rookie yeah, year. Yeah, but the end of games feels a little different than just like, all right, this guy's the starter moving forward. Like, oh. all right, if you're playing bad in the middle well, of the and, game, and that's that, what I was gonna that ask, feels a like, is did he remain? I'm guessing he did remain the starter, right? Or did they eventually give yeah, Fitzpatrick? Yeah, he, he remained the starter, but then Fitzpatrick came like towards the end of the game because he wasn't doing very well, and then he like led the game-winning drive. Or yeah, something. But, but he was still starter after that, right? That's what I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he still okay. was. Um, that's the only that's the only thing i can think of also but then like even then so literally at the end of that season they fire brian flores so it's like they made their decision the coach is out like the guy who made that decision they sided with the tua and so with robert sala it becomes sort of a slippery slope of like okay which one is the organization actually value more you or zach wilson because if you make this decision this could be the end of your career if it doesn't not career your tenure in New York, if the the front office is siding with Zach Wilson like Miami did, um, also I just think people got to be careful what they wish for because like yeah okay everybody remembers last year with Mike White when he threw like four touchdowns against the Bengals, but they forget that two weeks later he threw four interceptions. So, like you know I, I think that people are really glorifying like the highlights of those other guys when they've played those very limited moments and they're comparing that to the very low points that Zach Wilson has had. Uh, but they're kind of ignoring the reason those guys are backups. Like, come on, 37-year-old Joe Flacco, he's not the answer. Uh, Mike White has been a career backup. I mean, he, he couldn't even make the Cowboys. Like, he got beat out by Cooper Rush uh, and Ben DiNucci. So, like, I, I don't know. I mean, he, yeah, he had that one good game last year, but. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just think it's a slippery slope. I think there's kind of, like you said, some media overreaction because it is New York. It's a tough market. They want him to win they feel like they have a really good defense and they can make a playoff run because of some of the games but i i don't know i i think that's i i was talking to a jets fan on twitter uh yesterday and he basically said that he believes this roster if you take away quarterbacks is good enough to win a super bowl and i was like all right 
Jets fans need to calm down. Like, yeah. I get it. You beat Buffalo, but like Buffalo has started to show some signs of weakness the last couple weeks. No team in the NFL is immune to losing. Like the Chiefs lost to the Colts. We're not going to sit here and say the Colts are Super Bowl contenders. Uh, and, and the Chiefs are probably, as of right now, like the best team in the NFL. So uh, I, I think it's just a little ridiculous. Like the Jets, they still have a lot of issues. Like you mentioned with the offensive line, like they're literally a bottom five offensive line in the NFL right now. I mean, that's not even just my opinion. Like that's based on statistics uh, and, and pressures allowed and sacks allowed and you know yards per play and all these kind of things. And this is a Shanahan scheme where the offensive line is incredibly crucial. Um, so I don't know. I, I just think it's a slippery slope. I would not bench Zach Wilson. I don't think this roster, if they were to make the playoffs, would be able to beat a a Buffalo team in the playoffs. I don't think they'd be able to beat Kansas City in the playoffs. Miami. You know, just some of those teams that you're going to have to go up against in the AFC, I, I don't think they'd be able to beat them because they, they would be a wild card spot. I don't think they could win this division. Um, so I, I just don't think that starting Joe Flacco or Mike White's the answer. So just my two cents now, if they eventually at some point after the year or after next year are reevaluating and maybe want to move on from Zach Wilson, that's an entirely different discussion. But I just feel like when you pick the guy second overall, and also like people forget he's missed time. I don't even know how many like total games he's played in his career because he did miss time last year, I think, yeah, too, and this portion. year. Yep. So he's probably just now about reached like a full season's worth of games. I think people need to like loosen the leash a little bit because once again, just look at how everybody responded to Justin Fields and how quickly, like four games, everybody is all of a sudden completely flipped the script on him. So not out on Zach Wilson yet. Do think he deserves a bit more of a chance. I want to add to last point too, and. We're starting to see, and we usually see this, you know, in these coaching trees, but you see, you know, kind of with the Packers, you're seeing it also, ironically, I'm not just, ironically, it's both the the LaFleur brothers, but his brother is in, is the OC for the Jets too. Kind of starting to see, especially passing wise, their passing concepts being figured out by the league. The league's kind of catching up to that. And I'd say that because, you know, Kyle Shanahan, they derive from him, but we're still seeing Shanahan going strong because, he, as you can see, he's the mastermind. You know, they, he may have taught him a few tricks, but as, you know, I'm, I'm sure anyone knows, probably kept a few ideas and, you know, crucial principles or, you know, ideologies to himself as, you know, we see that he's still going strong with his offense, which, you know, we'll talk about later. But, um, so, yeah, I think that's an important factor to know is that Jets offense too. When I watch too, I know there's like there, there's like there's like two or three plays that I've seen consistently pop up on um, on Twitter and such. But oh, like on this play, this guy was open and such. And a couple of them, especially this one, like Denzel Mims down the middle. You know, there was one that was one time he was open. But other than that, like guys aren't getting open. And uh, to all the you know Twitter people, sometimes too when a guy is open, like Zach was getting pressured and he had to run. So yes, he can't he can't make that throw. He might have seen he was open, but. He, He's open, but he can't make that throw if he's got, you know, Matt Judon barreling down at him already. So, important things to note. But uh, nonetheless, not an impressive win for the Jets, to say the least. And for the Patriots, life goes on. Both teams 6-4 and four in that uh, crazy old AFC East. So, that division will definitely be interesting to keep an eye on uh, going down this line. Uh, staying in New York, to the other New York team, the New York Giants, they cannot take care of business against the Detroit Lions as the Lions get a big upset win. Three three in a row for Dan Campbell, uh, 31-18. to John, what were your thoughts on uh, your rival Giants dropping one here? 
I'm not surprised. Honestly, I felt the the Giants were kind of over exceeding um, based on the talent they have on their roster, all these kind of things. And I, I don't think their schedule has necessarily been that tough, but to end the season, the second half of the year, it is a lot tougher than it started out to be. Um, so I'm not surprised that the Giants have dropped this one to the Lions. I, I believe I picked the Lions as well. Yeah, I, I took the Lions against the spread. And I was I didn't necessarily say they were going to win, but I felt like the, just the Giants, their offense is, is capped. Like, I'm pretty sure I said that they're capped at about 24 points. They put up 18 in this one, and the Lions got 31. So even if they were able to get to that 24 points, they still lose. Um, I, I just think that they have – Unfortunately, a lot of injuries at the wide receiver room that didn't get any better this week with Wando Robinson tearing his ACL. Uh, Giants changed the field. I, luckily, they already actually announced that next year they're going to be changing the field, but that's now two of your receivers that have torn their ACLs because of your turf. Uh, well, I don't want to say because of the turf, but it definitely plays a factor. Uh, the stats have proven that. Uh, but overall, the Lions, they just showed up. Uh, they were stacking the box against Saquon Barkley. And I got into a little bit of a Twitter argument with some people saying that, oh, you know, Saquon, like, he doesn't deserve any blame for this. He didn't show up, and I think Saquon himself would say that. He did not have a good game. Uh, yeah, obviously, the offensive line is still not great. There's still some injuries there. The wide receiver room is not great. Daniel Jones is great, so they can stack the box against you. But we've seen other running backs like Derrick Henry have to face that despite having Malik Willis and a bunch of bums at wide receiver and no left tackle and Taylor Luan. And he's still produced, and we've seen Saquon himself produce in previous weeks despite all these things. So he just didn't have a good game here, and when Saquon doesn't have a good game, I don't expect the Giants to pretty much ever win a game this season. So... Yeah, good win for the Lions, tough one for the for the Giants. And I know the coaching staff already knows this, but I think it just puts it even more in, in front and center that, like, you have to get Saquon Barkley the ball and you got to get him involved because, okay, he had 15 carries and he only got 22 yards. He only had two catches. Like, I, I don't know what it takes. Get screens, get him the ball in different ways uh, because he is the playmaker that they need to uh, carry this offense moving forward. Yeah, Um Main thing I also want to add on is, you know, you're muted. Main thing I want to add on to is, like, I'm agree with, agreeing with you is a uh, obvious part. You know, Daniel Jones made some, had some mistakes. And uh, we've mentioned that this New York team is a lot about, you know, ball control, you know, long, efficient drives, and then, you know, at least trying to get maybe even three points. But hey, we took up eight minutes of clock, and that puts more pressure on you as an offense. Uh, but we saw Detroit did a good job of, like you already mentioned, limiting Saquon Barkley, uh, especially in the run game, and then basically making Daniel Jones beat them. And we kind of saw, kind of unable to, he threw the ball 44 times. Granted, you know, they were behind most of the game, but two, two, two interceptions, one big one by Aiden Hutchinson as well. And then, yeah, just sucks that. It sucks for Wondell Robinson, unfortunately, uh, that he got hurt, especially since he kind of he's kind of been getting going lately, and this was a very good game for him too. Um, so hopefully he can get back healthy, but uh, yeah, starting to see like the limitations, like you mentioned, of this Giants team come to light. Not the most explosive offense outside of you know number okay like number twenty six out of Barkley. No one else really, especially now that they're stacking up these injuries, can really make plays uh, outside of him. And then the defense, we've mentioned this Detroit offensive line very good, and I think they you know they leaned on that obviously this game as uh, Jamal Williams had hat trick in terms of touchdowns. We saw DeAndre DeAndre Swift get a little involved, and even Justin Jackson, too, their third stringer, uh, get involved. And then, you know, 
Jared Goff makes some timely throws. He has you know, nothing too crazy. Is he? He didn't have. He had a pretty poor stat line, you know, in regards to modern football numbers. But um, he did what they have to do. To do. They did, he did what they have to do to win, especially in outdoor conditions. And you know, they get uh, like I said, they get to continue the three game win streak for Mr. Dan Campbell. So uh, good things building in Detroit's, and we'll see if New York can adjust and keep their you know keep their playoff prospects alive uh, moving forward. Uh, so that was Giants and Lions. Now we go to uh, a pretty good game, too. This one was almost an upset, and it was the Philadelphia Eagles. They beat the Indianapolis Colts 17-16. to Took, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts basically carrying the team, literally, in terms of carries um, to get this win, John. What were your thoughts in regards to the Eagles giving Jeff Saturday his first loss? Well, this game was a lot closer than I expected it to be. I thought the Eagles would come out and respond after last week and just blow them out, and that's not what happened. And I'm not saying the Eagles are frauds, but I'm putting them on fraud watch because this is three weeks in a row that I have been disappointed by their performances, barely beating Houston, and the run defense was a problem, which it's been a problem all year, mind you. Like I, Even I have been saying, like, okay, Jordan Davis, like he's been a big issue. I actually looked in the stats before that. They were still struggling to stop the run. The issue is that without Jordan Davis, it's actually become even worse. So they're now like, instead of being like the 25th worst run defense, they're now like the 30th worst run defense. And so they're like at the bottom of the league. Um, And in this game, I mean, it wasn't like groundbreaking, but Jonathan Taylor was able to move the ball for the most part. He wasn't super efficient with it, but he did did have 84 yards on the ground. so I don't know. It, it's just to me the Colts' offense is just going through a little a bit of a weird patch to where uh, the run game isn't as effective with the running backs as it used to be, and Jalen Hurts is not. I, I don't know when they were not when they're not running the ball as efficiently as they used to be. It feels like Jalen Hurts kind of reverts a little bit back to his old self sometimes, to where he completely avoids the middle of the field. He's not throwing deep as much. I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's Jalen Hurts himself. I'm not sure because I haven't paid attention a ton to like the play calls the Eagles are, are running out there. But overall, uh, I don't know. I, I just think the Eagles have some pretty obvious weaknesses right now, and they got to start to clean it up because games like this, you know, if, if they especially if they drop this one, they're starting to potentially open the door for the Cowboys or the Giants if either of them can get hot here at the end of the year to maybe steal that you know uh, division crown from them which could be the difference between a first-round bye and, uh, you know, having to go on the road in the in the wild-card round. was a little bit surprising how close this game was, but uh, from watching this game, I, I'm a little more impressed with Philly than I guess you were. Um, I think it's important to credit that 50 of those 84 Jonathan Taylor rushing yards he got were on that first drive, and then after that, I mean, it seems like Philly kind of figured out how to slow them down because after that was just field goals. And he didn't do much from there. Um, but I, I am with you. I am a little bit concerned about the Philadelphia offense. Uh, granted, I think it's important to note that Indianapolis still has a pretty good front uh, defense, especially the front four, pretty good at stopping the run. Uh, so it wasn't too much of a shock to me that they were able to slow down uh, the, tra- the traditional run game with, you know, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott not doing much at all. Um, but yeah, in regards to the Philly pass offense, would like to see a little more. I mean, they had a few creative wrinkles, you know, they had, uh, but I think what you mentioned too, throwing down the middle, those kind of concepts didn't see much of that, at least being utilized or thrown 
Um, you know, saw some interesting comebacks for two Devonta Smith. They kind of milked that uh, cow for literally a, a couple plays, but then Indianapolis adjusted, and then you know they struggled again. And um, that's what how some of their drives went until late, where it seemed like Justin Hurts, uh, Justin Jalen Hurts, just you know started. Uh, tucking the ball and running on some of those plays because you know like I said maybe teams are it seems like teams maybe are adjusting maybe not defending maybe the middle of the field I don't know how he really got open on some of those runs granted too playing this team I can imagine kind of wears you down over time uh, you know with this with the read option and we know that Philly has a good offensive line so maybe that's a little bit of credit there too but um, yeah I'm I'm not willing to really put them on fire alert myself but uh, like we're seeing like you know, like I mentioned, we're in the midpoint of the season, and um, now you know a lot of teams kind of know what you know. Some teams are good and aren't good at. So from here on out, it's all about how those how you can adjust to your weaknesses or you know compensate for them going forward. So we'll have to see if the uh, Philly run defense can will still be an issue. And then obviously, you know, if their passing offense can get going, because yeah, it's starting to see that um, slow down the run game. You slow down the whole Philly offense, and obviously, if you don't uh, give give the ball over to the, on the to their defense, because earlier in the year their defense was scoring too and creating turnovers, and yeah, now that teams have been running on them, obviously, being a little more ball control centric that way. So, uh, Eagles scrape one out there uh, against the Colts, go to nine and one. Colts four six and one. So, uh, a little bit down the AFC path they go, uh, but keeping in the AFC, we're gonna go to quote-unquote Buffalo, even though they played at Detroit. The Bills, they took care of business against the Browns, 31-23. Bills, though, felt like they never really, you know, were in trouble this one. John, what were your thoughts in regards to the Bills taking care of business? Uh, They did good. There were certain points in this game where it looked like maybe they might let it slip, uh, but they, they held on strong when they needed to, despite the Browns making sort of a late push. Uh, Stefan Diggs didn't get super involved in the first half, and he was showing some frustrations, but eventually he figured it out, and uh, he got going. And I think that was kind of a key to Buffalo's overall offense getting back on track. So, yeah, not too surprised about anything. The only thing I was really surprised about was Amari Cooper actually had some semblance of success on the road, which is not normal for Amari Cooper. Um, but other than that, I mean, nothing crazy. They, they handled their business in Detroit. And uh, for the Browns, I will say things are getting interesting because Deshaun Watson is about to come back. Yeah, but we'll see because they're three and seven. So the whole, you know, and then they have another game to play. So their whole may be pretty bad. So it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, rush him back or wait to try to see if the storm blows over or whatever. Um, but also, they, I imagine they play him now thinking about it. I remember they gave up draft picks for him. So uh, I want to give credit to the Buffalo run defense. I thought that Cleveland would have more. Uh, I guess more success in the run game, uh, but Nick Chubb held a 14 carries for 19 yards. I did not expect that. Uh, Cream Hunt, you know, had a solid day, but um, yeah, you mentioned Amari Cooper had a good game air wise, and uh, same with Donovan Peoples Jones. But you know, Bills defense and most of that too was in the fourth quarter late in the game, so you know, maybe Bills defense playing a little more safe there. Uh, but that it may be a cause for concern for the Bills. It's important to note that they still don't have the obviously Micah Hyde out, and I think is Jordan Poyer also out for the rest of the year too. I forget his uh, injury. I don't think so. A bit. Regardless, but I know he's been out sure. for some time, so I think we're starting to see the importance of those two guys. Obviously, Tre'Davious White still working his way back. So yeah, this Buffalo defense starting to kind of you know get 
a little crack exposed here, maybe down the stretch in different ways, you know, overcompensating for the run, which leaves uh, them uh, having some holes in the back end. Uh, but nonetheless, they got the win. Do want to give credit to them too. I'm not sure if this is because they play on Thursday. Do they play on Thursday? Yeah, they play Lions on Thursday. Uh, but they did lean on the run game more. And granted, too, we've mentioned Cleveland not a great run defense anyway. So maybe uh, I'm not sure if that was you know part of the game plan, thinking ahead, or just part of the game plan also to win this game. Probably both win-win there. Uh, so credit to them. And uh, your guy, uh, James Cook, had a pretty good game, too. Finally got some momentum building, too. So him and Singletary both had 80 apiece. And uh, Josh Allen only ran three times. So, hey, you'll take that, especially with uh, an elbow injury. So, um, yeah, I've been interested to see. How, how they look on Thursday, if they have a similar approach. Probably not, though. But, uh, yeah, good to see the Bills kind of winning in different ways uh, going down the stretch here. And we'll see if their defense can hold up uh, as they wait for some reinforcements. But, uh, yeah, Bills get the big win there over the Cleveland Browns. Uh, now we go over to Atlanta where the Falcons, they hung on and beat the Chicago Bears 27-24. to Um very similar styles of, of these two teams, but the Falcons pull ahead, John. And unfortunately, Justin Fields also got hurt in this one. What were your thoughts on the Falcons' victory? Um, good win for the Falcons. Shout out to Corson. NFL record nine kickoff return touchdowns. The GOAT kickoff returner, not punt returner. That's still Devin Hester. But kickoff returns, he has the most NFL history. Um impact player you know just came back from injury and he was able to do that uh yeah so good win for the falcons unfortunately for them kyle pitts did get injured um i think this maybe will free up all the fantasy managers like myself who have been suffering alongside kyle pitts and just starting him because you feel like the talent at some point it's gotta work and it's very clear this passing attack is just it's you know it's it's good enough to win games i guess because they're good at running the ball but very clearly is never going to really get going. Uh, even despite the injury, he still led them in receiving yards at 43, even though he did not finish the game. Um, so prayers up for Kyle Pitts that he can, he's been placed on IR, uh, probably going to miss the rest of the season, uh, but that he can recover quickly. Uh, and for the Bears, couldn't get it done. Uh, didn't have the greatest day in terms of players not named Justin Fields or David Montgomery pretty much like those are the two that were carrying the offense fields 153 passing yards 85 rushing yards Montgomery 67 rushing yards 54 receiving yards like those two are really the playmakers but outside of them not a ton was going on Chase Claypool I'm, I'm kind of surprised how little he's actually been involved I think since they traded for him he's got like five catches for 35 yards total seems like you'd maybe really want to get him involved and like utilize his athleticism doesn't seem like they've really had any like crazy big plays that they're trying to utilize him for it's kind of partially due to the fact they're really run heavy and their offensive line's not that great but i figured maybe they would like scheme some stuff up we'll see um but yeah with the justin fields injury he is day to day but i don't know if you're the bears like take it be cautious like you don't want to sit here and risk anything with him you're three and eight you're not really playing for much if you got to throw in the backup for a week or two, do it because uh, there's no there's no reason to rush him. Yeah, um, and hey, maybe that gives teams less tape on how to you know figure how how to slow them down in the off season too. Uh, so kind of a little bit of win win because we all no offense Bears fans, we all know y'all probably are not making the playoffs, especially now that you're three and eight. Um, yeah, I want to add on to I I think I mentioned to you like I was I also am a Cal Pitts owner. 
And I was like, okay, I'm feeling the, I, 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 I'm trying to feel the Kyle Pitts pulse. I started him, and I should have known Podkers. So I think this is this one falls on me for believing in Kyle Pitts this week. I thought this was the week that maybe just randomly it would happen. He would blow up. Didn't happen. To be fair, injured, he was so. doing really well until he got hurt. Like forty-three yards. I don't know if that. I don't that's know a, that's a good problem. Get Kyle Pitts game. I mean, I, for their passing attack, that's a lot of yards, and he didn't even get to finish the game. And like I said, led led in receptions, yards, and targets too. He had five targets. No one else had more than three, which was Drake London. He only had one catch for two yards. <laughs> so that goes to show you, uh, yeah, I guess these two teams. But uh, yeah, um, credit the Falcons. They're just really well coached. You know, all three phases. Um, I know that we mentioned not the most talented, but hey, they're still finding ways to be relevant. Heck, they got a better record than my Packers, and they're still in this race, whether we like it or not, at five or six, five and six. And uh, I kind of once again, Arthur Smith coming from Tennessee, similar style, similar mindset. We're gonna run the ball, you know, make a few timely throws, and uh, you know, play. Obviously, they don't have as good defense as Tennessee, but sound defense and make life hard. So. Um, yeah, credit to them. And yeah, Corderell, the huge kickoff return, that was a big turning point too. As yeah, I mean, their offense really didn't do all that much outside of that. So, Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Big win for the Falcons. They keep their playoff hopes live and unfortunately quashing the Bears along with that. And we'll see how the Bears uh, approach the Justin Fields injury uh, going forward uh, this week. Uh, speaking of injuries, now we go to New Orleans where unfortunately this game, although... Final score was close. Um, didn't really feel that way as the Saints, they beat the Rams 27-20. Matthew Stafford left this game with a concussion. And basically, once he left, kind of was game over, uh, at least for me. But, um, John, what were your thoughts in regards to the Andy Dalton vintage performance? Surprising, uh, especially after kind of all the drama surrounding Andy Dalton and James Winston kind of figured this might be the final nail in the coffin uh you know it's not the greatest of rams teams but they haven't had great performances against you know similar teams recently so you figured that maybe this is the game that uh you know they finally bring back Jameis and Andy dalton responds 260 yards three touchdowns 21 for 25 he played a really good efficient game uh but for the saints i i don't know good win i guess but still kind of meaningless because it feels like their season is already pretty much lost and although it, it is a good win, the Rams are just kind of a dumpster fire right now. Matthew Stafford didn't even get to finish the game, so Bryce Perkins comes in. Uh, you know, their run game is still in shambles. Like, surprisingly, Cam Akers and Kyron Williams were able to have some success getting over 100 yards on the ground combined, but still, like, 
tuning into this game during parts of it, it didn't feel like game changing. Like it didn't feel like they were really putting together the greatest of drives. I don't know. It, it was just interesting, especially since like they put up 20 points. One of those touchdowns was on like a deep bomb, the two, two or yeah, I'm pretty sure it's two, two out. Well, uh, for like 60 yards. And so, you know, they, they just didn't move the ball super efficiently throughout the day. And uh, for the Rams, I don't know. It seems like they just need to shut down the season because you're now sitting at three and seven cups out for the next six to eight weeks. Stafford's been dealing with concussions the last two weeks. Uh, you've, you've released Daryl Henderson now. I don't know. I just, the Rams, it's tough. And uh, in this game, it was just a, a battle of two teams that are just not doing that great. And uh, wasn't the greatest of games. Yeah, I don't have much else to add. Um, I mean, it kind of goes to show you, yes, you can win a Super Bowl by going all in like the Rams do have, but, you know, especially when you're a top-heavy team. You know, Matthew Stafford's been dealing with injury. You know, Cooper Cup, you lose what little depth you have over the offseason, you know, with on your offensive line and on defense, especially on offense. And, yeah, it's it's tough to replicate or and fill in those gaps. And, um, yeah, we're kind of seeing it with the Rams. It's important to note, too, probably why they're still trying to win uh, New Orleans, especially, is they neither of these teams have their first-round pick. Gosh, I know I don't even know if the Rams have a second-round pick. But nonetheless, uh, pick positioning isn't all too important to them because uh, it's not really a thing for them. So, um, yeah, big win. Encouraging win for New Orleans. It'll be interesting to see how they handle uh, this whole Jameis Winston situation because – as we've seen since the departure of Drew Brees, it's, they have had a little bit... Quarterback has been a little bit of an issue for them figuring out who's going to be their guy. They've had a little bit of misfortune with injuries and such. So I'm interested to see what step they take going forward, uh, and especially because they also have that big Taysom Hill contract as well, which I know is like incentive-based and such too, but that could be an issue as well. So we'll see what they do uh, going forward. And for the Rams, yeah, it's... The, good night. We'll see y'all in 2023. <laughs> Maybe, unless, you know, they some of them retire. Who knows? But um, that is that. Uh, the New Orleans Saints take care of business there. Uh, now we go to Baltimore, where this was a very uneventful game, uh, where the Ravens kind of escaped this one, 13-3 against the Panthers. Very close game to the fourth, and then um, a couple of late turnovers helped the Ravens kind of uh, pull this one out. What were your thoughts in regards to this game, John? Uh, I didn't really pay attention to this game that much because there really wasn't a whole lot going on, and usually I watch Red Zone. Um, so I guess resilient way for the Ravens to come out and win, but honestly, I kind of expected better against a pretty lowly Panthers team that just doesn't really have a whole lot going for them right now. Um, so I don't know. I, like I said, good win for the Ravens, I guess. And, you know, you are dealing with injuries, especially at the wide receiver room, so I guess you can kind of cut them some slack, but good performance from their defense can't really say a ton about their offense um yeah don't have much to say yeah i will say um for carolina maybe once again we're talking about maybe exposing some issues that teams may have baltimore they were not afraid really of their wide receivers i know um demarcus robinson was the only one that had a really good game and he's probably because he was the best one that only guy that's really beating his guy constantly uh they're leaving their receivers all on islands and loading the box not letting that run game go off. We kind of saw the Ravens offense struggle. And once again, I, I don't think that's really on Lamar. It's just the fact that, I mean, the, once again, the fact that Demarcus Robinson is probably his best 
was his best receiver this day and probably going forward his most reliable receiver. I'll not name Mark Andrews, but you know, Mark Andrews is a tight end and you know, he had a solid game. But other than that, uh, yeah, Baltimore's got to find other ways to get their pass game going. Um, Cause it seems like as per usual, as we've seen in previous years, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. Their passing offense looks good. They have a few more tricks, but then the tricks run out. Teams know how to defend them. Okay. Now, now what can you do? Um, so we'll see if, they, uh, Greg Roman and Lamar can get in the lab and figure that out. And yeah, for Carolina, I mean, we're talking about books close. I think the book is closing on Baker Mayfield as a starter. Uh, apparently, there was that report, right? I think they said Sam Darnold will be starting this next week, apparently. So we'll we'll see uh, how it falls out. But uh, yeah, unfortunately for Baker, this second chance per se has not really gone as planned for him or the, Car- the Carolina Panthers as well. So they follow three and eight. Baltimore keeps trucking along at the top uh, or, you know, chasing the top of the AFC. Uh, now, let me head over to another interesting game here. Not interesting. Joking. Uh, it was the Commanders and Washington, the Washington Commanders and the Houston Texans. Commanders win 23 to 10. Kind of what we all expected. You know, Texans, obviously, I, I'm safe to say it, you know, bottom of the league basically, and Commanders have been riding hot recently. What are your thoughts, if any, on this turnout? Um, you know, Washington, they're playing Houston. Houston, not that great of a, uh, of a team overall, not that great of a run defense. And in this game, it kind of went as expected. Antonio Gibson shows up, 72 yards rushing. Brian Robinson shows up, 57 yards rushing. You know, that won him the game, really. Like, Taylor Heineke didn't have to do too much, 191 passing yards. Uh, and overall, you know, good performance, I guess, from their defense because they completely destroyed Damian Pierce. They were playing from behind a lot, but, like, 10 carries, and they only had eight yards. Like, that defense showed up pretty big time. Um, so, shout out to them. But otherwise, you know, kind of with, with the Texans, they're 1-8-1. One, one. Like, they're the worst team in the league. You know how to beat them. It's kind of just... Uh, Show up, run the ball, move on, kind of a thing. Just get a lead. <laughs> Just don't let them, you know, lean on Damian Pierce. You know, once you get once you get over two possessions, it's pretty much over. Um, but yeah, in regards to showing down the run game, that is my defensive ball of the week. Jonathan Allen, him and Deron Payne, you know, wreaking havoc down there. Big reason why Damian Pierce can get going, and also though he contributed with two sacks as well for, uh, you know, for sack numbers as well. So, can have one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the league, especially defensive line groups. We're kind of see. Uh, though that this defense kind of doing what we thought they would do last year and they do get chase young back here soon so uh yeah it's like a year late uh here washington you know i expected this last year but they're starting to find uh some momentum taylor heineke like you mentioned playing well and it's fortunate that carson you know it's basically not gonna be the starter but like we've mentioned before understandable taylor heineke's gonna take care of the ball uh much more uh, then Carson Wentz will, although, you know, Wentz may make a highlight play, one or two more highlight plays than Heineke. Is it worth the risk? Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera says no. So, um, yeah, good win for the Washington Commanders, what we expected. And Houston, at this point, you know, just probably perusing over who they will take first overall come April. So um, that went as expected. Now we go in some of the more afternoon games. Um starting with an AFC West divisional matchup between the Broncos and the Raiders. It was an exciting one, John, at mile high. The Raiders pull off the win in overtime, 22-16. to 
What were your thoughts on this one? Well, uh, I thought that, you know, if there was any week that the Broncos offense would get it going, it'd be against the Raiders for the last time they played was the game in which they had the most offensive success. They did lose the last time they played, but they did have the most offensive success. They did not in this one. Uh, I mean, Russell Wilson didn't have that bad of a game. I, I still find it interesting that, like, yeah, he didn't have the greatest game, but people continually just push for him to be the issue. But it's like, okay, are we like for other teams? We often criticize like the lack of running ability, especially inefficiency. The Broncos are terrible at running the ball. Like their offensive line has not been great. The run play calling is, you know, it's just kind of standard run of the mill stuff. And it does suck because Javante Williams got hurt and he was supposed to be the bell cow. But the replacements, Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray, just did not perform. Latavius Murray, 2.9 yards per carry. Melvin Gordon, 3.9 yards per carry. And then he eventually gets cut after the game because he had another fumble, which I think was his fifth on the year, which is just unacceptable. Um, and then, unfortunately, Chase Edmonds does get hurt and has been placed on IR with a high ankle sprain. So, I don't know. I, I Like, the Broncos, they just all the issues are still the same as they were, you know, a month, two months ago. And it's even hurt even more with the injuries. Like, you don't have Jerry Judy all of a sudden, and, you know, your other receivers, even as much as I love Cortland Sutton, not creating separation, not getting open enough. He had a pretty crucial drop on a third down. Like, I, I believe in the first half, Russell Wilson only had two incompletions, one of which was just a, a well-covered play, but the other one was the drop that Cortland Sutton had. And it was like he was open, it was third down, it was placed right on him, and he just dropped it. And... Listen, I love Cortland Sutton I to a fault. Like, I have him in way too many fantasy leagues, and it's it's not good for me. Um, but overall, yeah, the Broncos, they, they just, their offense was not good enough in a game where they should have had a good offensive performance. Uh, but the Raiders on the other side, Derek Carr, way to show up. 307 yards, two touchdowns. Not that he hasn't been showing up, but against a really tough Broncos defense, this is a really good performance. Josh Jacobs, 109 yards on the ground. Devontae Adams doing Devontae Adams things. I don't know how he gets so open. Like, it's it's honestly kind of crazy, especially against, like, this is Patrick Sertan, who's been locking people up, and Devontae still showing his alpha status, and he sauced him on that overtime play. Uh, just completely had Sertan thinking that it was it was something, a completely different play, and he, he beat him. Um, so, yeah, good win for the Raiders. I want to shout out Max Crosby, my defensive baller of the week. Two sacks. He had a forced fumble that was the fumble that Melvin Gordon had that eventually led to Melvin Gordon getting cut. I feel like you get extra points if you force that. Um, but overall, he, he was just a big difference maker because this was not this was not a, a blowout. This was not a easy win for the Raiders by any means. This went to overtime, and it, you know if he doesn't maybe make the, those plays that he made, this could have gone very differently. Um, so shout out to Max Crosby, my defensive ball of the week. And I also I, I feel like I got to give him a little more props too because in general this Raiders front has been pretty pitiful in terms of pass rush production. And so when you see Max Crosby have this big of an impact, um, I think it just it means a little more. So yeah, good win for the Raiders. For the Broncos, I've kind of just given up on their offense at this point, figuring it out. I figured after the bye week, I figured maybe in this Raiders game, these were my two moments where I was like, they're going to get it clicking and maybe put up like 30 points. Haven't done it. Yeah, um, man, yeah, Chandler Jones. That that's quietly been not very great uh, addition for the Raiders because he hasn't done much. But nonetheless, like you mentioned, they get the big win. Yeah, from what I've heard and seen on Twitter and such, you know, some people have been saying that last play just Devontae, and that's a credit to Devontae and Josh McDaniels uh, for I guess a tendency breaker. Uh, they maybe had set they had kind of set up Cortland Sutton for that. 
uh, throughout the game. So, or throughout film, they knew that that's how the Broncos defended that. Um, that that's what I'm assuming. Cause yeah, we all know uh, Patrick Sertain top. He's probably entered that top five cornerback conversation anyway. So very rare to see him get beat that badly. Uh, but yeah, credit Derek Carr and the offense for having success, especially under, you know, with the, with the recent fire that, uh, Josh McDaniels has kind of received, you know, one of our, you know, who I'm talking about one of our, I already see one of our Raider, uh, faithful, you know, was calling for his head a couple weeks ago. So hopefully this calms those flames down as we see like the offense, you know, is having production without Hunter Renfro and, uh, Darren Waller, probably their second and third best options. I will say, though, they have three wins, and two of those are against the Broncos. So it's like I can kind of understand Raiders yeah. fans being pretty upset. But, hey, I mean, they, like we just mentioned, they had a great success against this defense. So it's just I think that's a yeah, good sign they, of things to come. They did that last time, too. And so I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, it feels I mean, like if I was a Raiders fan, I'd be like, why don't we do that against every defense, you know? True. But, um, yeah, and I think it would be interesting to see how this Raiders team continues to fill out, like I said, before. Give Josh McDaniels more time. We've seen good glimmers of hope that hey, like they, this offense can be something. They just need more time to get the pieces in their pieces in place because they're still dealing with the leftovers of John Gruden and Mike Mayock. As like I mentioned before, not been great moves. <laughs> Some of them, especially the early picks, they're high investments. So um, yeah, Denver. I was I, I didn't know that Melvin Gordon got let go because of fumbling. Makes sense. Hurts as a Javante uh, Williams owner because I'm like, where was this earlier? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a shame how quickly and we talk about running back shelf life. Maybe may get another chance, but he's obviously never going to be the main guy. Probably, uh, you know, uh, b- uh, by default for a team going forward because kind of seems a little dip in athletic ability, especially without just that one big year really. And fumbling has been an issue for him. Uh, but it's funny. But then Latavius Murray's still out here <laughs> stealing people. Not stealing. I should say that. But you know winning jobs and being the lead back for whatever team needs him basically uh it's still going strong but um yeah we'll see i i don't know i don't have much more to say in the denver offense like it kind of is what it is I, like I, they are who we thought they were <laughs> that quote like you know it's, it's become expectation and um i want we'll to see what they do in the off season to address this to fix it because i don't know the only thing i do want to add to is for anyone who's been very critical of nathaniel hackett he did hand off play calling duties in this game and there really wasn't that much of a difference like it was clint kubiak it was kind of just the same thing so now that could just be maybe both of them are not great play callers but um i i i think once again it just goes to show their issues go a lot deeper than just russ just hackett there's just there's a lot more to it than just that yeah so we'll see uh, what happens with these two teams? I don't think either of them. I think the Raiders have the first round pick, but Denver does not. So, kind of like I mentioned with New Orleans and the Rams, they they're kind of playing uh, for pride. They they can't just afford to pack it in for the rest of the year because they don't have the first round pick. Uh, but anyways, now we go to uh, the another divisional matchup here against the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Bengals win this one, thirty seven thirty. I had that right in the spreadsheet, just making sure. Uh, 37-30. Lost uh, Joe Mixon this one. Jamal P. Ryan stepped in, had three touchdowns as well. Uh, kind of had a Christian Watson situation, though, where he just kind of, you know, literally had four catches. So, uh, nonetheless, Bengals kind of showing that their offense is back. Pittsburgh, though, had a pretty good performance here. John, what were your thoughts in regards to this AFC North uh, rivalry game? 
Uh, honestly, I, I was impressed by Pittsburgh. They put up 30 points here, and they could have put up more. George Pickens dropped what would have been a 49-yard touchdown late in the game. I think they settled for a field goal on that drive. So, like, they could have had about 34. Uh, but regardless, I thought I was really impressed, like I said. They, they put up a fight here. Going into halftime, they were winning 20-17. It was just the late flurry from the Bengals that showed up. Uh, Joe Burrow, great, great, great game. Way to stay resilient despite throwing two interceptions. He had four touchdowns. Um, T. Higgins showing he's a playmaker. He's a baller. Uh, and good for P. Ryan just being ready, stepping up because Joe Mixon has kind of been a workhorse all year. P. Ryan's barely really got involved, and when his number got called, he showed up and you know he had three touchdowns. So um, for the most part, I, I'm not really taking too much away from this game, but I will say Najee Harris. Was getting a lot of criticism for most of the year. Quietly starting to put it together. Had a pretty decent game last week. This week, he goes for 90 yards, two touchdowns. Also 26 yards receiving, so over 100 total yards. And the big knock on him has been efficiency. Four and a half yards per carry, which is you know pretty dang good. So shout out to Najee Harris, because despite the loss, uh, I just think that he's been getting a lot, of, a lot of flack recently. And I think he's kind of quietly started to just rebound a little bit. Yeah, and I think we've seen that offensive line starting a little bit, you know, starting to gel a little bit, live up to a little bit uh, of the expectation. But obviously, of the the coaches' expectations, that line's starting to be a little better. As yeah, the offense was surprising this week. Uh, Pratt Firemuth's been quietly been very consistent too for them, uh, regardless of the quarterback or the situation. It is a little bit interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if you know if this is scheme, if it's just because the you know the young quarterbacks slash. Mitch Trubisky, he's not really young. Uh, but Deontay Johnson hasn't really been a force this season. Uh, and I'm not sure if that's because of Deontay or, you know, once again, this offense. Just something to keep an eye out. I just want to bring that up uh, for, you know, in case anyone is in the full no, because he did get that contract extension uh, in the offseason. Granted, it was pretty, I don't want to say fair, but an interesting gamble for both sides. It's only like a two-year, $36 million extension. I got it here per spot track, so. Uh, who knows uh, what you know if he can get going in that offense with those guys going forward. Uh, but yeah, big win, big win for Bengals. I think they're starting to show that hey, we can win without Jamar Chase, and they're starting to you know find that offensive uh, flow and rhythm that they did kind of towards the end of last season. Granted, you know this was a Steelers defense that uh, you know with no Micah Parsons in the secondary, so who knows how much he would have impacted the game. Maybe would have helped out more on T Higgins since T Higgins had a monster game too. Um, you know, maybe he limits him if he plays. But nonetheless, you play with who you play with, and the Bengals pull out the win there. So uh, we see their offense clicking. And speaking of offenses clicking, now we go to your game, John. Uh, your Cowboys were clicking on both sides of the ball against the Minnesota Vikings. Had a ruin, uh, you know, a little homecoming for them. That handed them the first home loss of the season, and very much so. Your Cowboys won, won, won this one 40-3. to three. Vikings did not score after the first quarter, so that three was in the first quarter, mind you. Um, so, yeah, table's yours, man. Uh, what are your thoughts on this victory? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I love the way they responded after last week. A pretty dejecting loss to the Packers. And you come out, you're angry. Micah Parsons was talking a big talk the whole week, saying the defense would not let down the offense again. And then they come out and they hold the Vikings to three points. Like, it, you know, it's kind of an excessive way to respond, I guess. But that's what I want to see. Um, so I'm, I'm glad they, they responded this way because a lot of Cowboys teams throughout my life, uh, you know, they ride hot and then all of a sudden a loss like that Packers loss last week, that, that could have been something that snowballs. And so I was happy to see the way they responded in this one. Um, yeah, for the Vikings, I mean, it's, it's a flash in the pan. You, you, you live and you learn they're still eight and two. So it's not like it's the end of the world. But that being said, I still think there were some pretty serious issues that kind of got exposed here, uh, namely the offensive line without Christian Derrissaw. He got hurt at some point, and the depth was not there at tackle because uh, Kirk Cousins was pressured on 65% of his dropbacks, which is kind of an absurd rate. Like, if anyone remembers that Chiefs-Buccaneers Super Bowl, Mahomes was pressured on like 38%, and that felt like a lot. So now crank that up to like not not double, but almost double, and we're getting to what Kirk Cousins is pressured on in this game. So it just shows that the Cowboys defensive line controlled this one. So like I do cut some slack to guys like Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkins, and Adam Thielen, the, the receivers, because and Kirk Cousins as well, because it's like, you know, you don't have time. Like you, you can't do anything deep downfield. Now, they could have ran the ball a little bit more. I was surprised that early in the game, they didn't like really try to rely on the run heavy uh, while you know it was still within reach. Because once you got to about, you know, about midway through the second quarter, you kind of have to start abandoning that because, you know, like the Cowboys were putting up points. So, and despite that, when they did run the ball, like Dalvin Cook averaged six and a half yards per carry. So they had success. It was just they got so far behind that they couldn't do it. Um, so I think for the Vikings, that's a situation where, once again, you live and you learn. And maybe next time, if you're coming out against a really you know, tough defensive front that can get after your, your quarterback, maybe you just try to slow the pace of the game really early and not allow that to happen to where you get into this you know crazy deficit and then you have to throw and then you're playing into the strengths of the other team. Um, so, yeah, good one for the Cowboys. Really strong way to respond. Still not a fan of how long they kept the starters out there. Like, yep, 37-3 to midway through the third quarter, and you still got Dak and Micah and all these guys. Like, midway through the third, if you're up that big, pull them. Like, I, I don't care if people find it disrespectful or whatever. Like, if you're trying to make a playoff run, we don't need people getting hurt in meaningless games. Not meaningless games, meaningless snaps at the end of the game when it's like a total blowout. Uh, but otherwise, shout-out to the Cowboys. Shout-out to Tony Pollard, my offensive baller of the week. 15 carries, 80 rushing yards, six receptions, 109 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. He essentially was the Cowboys offense. Um, so yeah, Tony Power, he's a beast. And I do want to shout out Kelvin Moore because I am very critical of him. But this felt like the game where it feels like, okay, they're actually using both Pollard and Zeke correctly. If you look at the stat sheet, you're going to go, oh, Zeke, 2.8 yards per carry. That's not efficient. But in large part, that's because when they used him, it was for short yarded situations, situations like third and short, third and two, um, you know, on the goal line, stuff like that on, you know, pass blocking moments, because those are the things that Zeke is really good at in this point in his career. 
And so, yeah, he wasn't super efficient, but he got what he needed to get for the offense to keep moving. And then you use Pollard for all the explosive stuff, like the receiving game uh, and like the big runs on first and second down. So I did think he had a pretty good game. Yeah, I mean, he took the main words out of my mouth. I mean, to, I mean the main point is that uh, the game kind of felt the way that went the way that Dallas wanted to and that played to their strengths is once he got ahead, Vikings couldn't stay consistent with the run game. And, you know, like you mentioned too, um, Kirk Cousins was under siege all game, got sacked seven times. And, you know, there's also saw a couple of penalties by Minnesota's offensive line, probably because they were getting their butts whooped uh, by Dallas. And so, you know, those type of things, they set you back and kind of make you one-dimensional, which, as we mentioned before, and Dallas, is, Dallas has got a pretty good pass defense, you know, in terms of pass rush and secondary. So, uh, and I think, too, important to note that, uh, especially early on, they weren't overly aggressive, you know, like they were against Green Bay, and not leaving, uh, you know, guys one-on-one, uh, purely one-on-one that aren't named Trevon Diggs on people, uh, you know, playing some a little bit of some zones and some creative stuff off that. And then once they got the lead, you know, even then, they could didn't really matter. They could ramp up the aggression because they could afford to. Um, but yeah, I think just a little unfortunate for Minnesota. You know, home game off that big win, and you kind of drop an egg there. But yeah, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say the sky is falling for Minnesota. Uh, I think you know we know this offense is talented, uh, but it'll be interesting about this defense going forward because you know Dallas, like you already mentioned, had their way with them. Dak Prescott quietly having a 22 for 25. Yeah, extremely efficient game, but also, you know, pushing the ball downfield uh, along with that. So, yeah, uh, that should quiet down the Cooper Rush crowd for a while longer. So, uh, big win for your Cowboys as they have a game in a couple of days, obviously, since they plan Thanksgiving. So, uh, now we go to the Sunday night game, and it was quite an interesting one. Lived up to the previous matchup, and it was the Chiefs beating the Chargers 30-27. to uh, Chiefs lost some receivers going into this game, and they lost like some guys in this game, and it didn't matter as they pulled out this one. John, what were your thoughts in regards to this uh, big win by the Chiefs? Chiefs, they uh, they just put it on an offensive clinic. Patrick Mahomes had a great game. Isaiah Pacheco had 100 yards on the ground rushing. Travis Kelsey doing Travis Kelsey things. Uh, it was unfortunate for them that Kadarius Tony did. Uh, I don't know what injury it was, but he re-aggravated something, I think. Uh, and so he was There's not able to play for yeah. most. Yeah, hamstring. So he was not able to play for most of the game. And they were already missing Juju Smith-Schuster and Nicole Hardman. So they're they're starting to get a little thin at the receiver room. But it was nice to see Sky Moore, their second-round draft pick, five receptions, 63 yards. So he did get involved. And, of course, you know, Travis Kelsey, he's always going to ball out and pick up the slack for people. Um, so that was great. For the for the Chargers, I thought they, once again, played a really competitive game. Justin Herbert had a really good performance. It was great to see initially Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both out there again, but then Mike Williams on his one lone reception on the sideline did re-aggravate his ankle sprain. They said it wasn't serious, so maybe he misses another week or two and then comes back. Um, for his sake, I'm hoping that he can come back soon because this offense, like, at least on that one drive, they looked a lot better. The field looked a lot more open. And then even without Mike Williams, just having Keenan Allen there, it just opened up more stuff because you just have another guy who can just consistently get open. Um, so the Chargers, they look good too. The issue is still their defense, specifically the run defense. Like Isaiah Pacheco averaging seven yards a carry is just not really going to get it done. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with Justin Herbert specifically on that second to last drive they had to take the lead. Um, I saw specifically Emmanuel Acho, who I'm not the biggest fan of, criticizing Justin Herbert for uh, the interception he threw on the last drive. But it's like, okay, basically, Justin Herbert goes clutch mode and takes the lead late. And then Patrick Mahomes responds by going even more clutch mode and retakes the lead late. And now with 30 seconds left, you're sitting here criticizing Herbert because he threw an interception when he's trying to go down the field and, and make something happen. And was it yes, like, I'm that. sorry, was it like a deflection interception too? Like, if I remember correctly, I think. Uh, I can't remember. I'll try, it might have been. Um, regardless, I don't know. I just, I just feel like, I think Patrick Mahomes and like Josh Allen and some of these guys, like, yeah, Herbert is kind of lumped in them with the arm talent. But they've kind of spoiled us as of recently with like these 13 second drives with timeouts to get down to the field and get a field goal or like the Bills against the Vikings a couple weeks ago, like just quick to get down the field and get a field goal. Like people just expect these quarterbacks who once again, Herbert is lumped in with those guys in terms of arm talent, but they just expect these quarterbacks to just be able to put anything together no matter how much time is left on the clock. It's just not realistic to always expect. So I still think that Justin Herbert had a great game, and I do think that criticizing him for that interception is just kind of dumb because for 59 minutes of football, he, he was excellent on the field, dueling with Patrick Mahomes, especially despite the fact that, you know, Mike Williams was supposed to play, and then he gets ruled out, and they still, you know, went out and they executed the offense the way they needed to. Uh, we're going to criticize him because of one bad throw. I do think he deserves criticism for it because, you know, you, you did have two minutes left on there and you do want to go out there and win the game. Uh, and I, I did think Emmanuel Atra's point of, like, if that was Tua, he would have been slayed by the media for a month. Uh, I do think that was fair. But at the same time, I don't think any quarterback with that amount of time left should necessarily be slandered by the media because they didn't drive down and, you know, put their team in position to win the game. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I heard about him, you know, about that he was critical of him. But yeah, just, I mean, yeah, 31 seconds. Come on, people. Like, there's, and the play first play gets sacked by Chris Jones. So the internal clock's like, okay, I can't afford to take another sack because it's third and 20 plus. And yeah, if I remember correctly, it was, which I couldn't pull it up, but I think that was like a, a bit of a deflection too, and the ball popped up. I'm sure you'll, you may find it. But um, so I'm not, I, I wouldn't fully fault Herbert. And once again, yeah, like, it's a pretty tough situation he was put in regardless. Don't care who you have. Um, so, yeah, and otherwise, I mean, once again, he put them in a position earlier to that literally put them ahead. So it's not like he didn't deliver in the fourth quarter in the clutch moments. Literally put them ahead, and then, you know, Mahomes and the gang, and especially Travis Kelsey, they did what they did, and they just marched down the field, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, he didn't have any time. But, yeah, that main thing is Travis Kelsey – I expected him to slow down, start slowing down a couple of years ago, basically at this point, but he really hasn't, especially, I especially, especially expected this year for him to slow down because no Tyreek. I thought he'd get more double teams. Um, and I can't fault the uh, Chargers once again. I think in regards to two, uh, you mentioned Justin Herbert overanalyzation basically by Acho. Same here. I saw a couple of people like, oh, why are they leaving, you know, Derwin James on a one on one all night? But I'm like, eh, like it's Derwin James, like against pretty much every other tight end. Or guy inside, he's kind of won that matchup for the most part this year. But, you know, this game, Kelsey got the better of him. And, you know, I'm assuming next time when they meet, maybe they'll, you know, shade, do, try a different approach as opposed to just 
and maybe just pick and choose when they have a one-on-one moments because uh Derwin James did have some moments where he you know he won that matchup against Kelsey you know some pass breakups and such and just blanketing him but uh you know you can only contain great players for so long so uh Kelsey's my baller of the week six receptions 110 yards and three touchdowns obviously each one of them crucial uh especially with those receivers out um and uh I do want to credit Andy Reid too you mentioned the patience with the run game I felt he could have been more patient, but uh, there were times, I think, especially in the second half. In the first half, I felt like there were times they'd run, do a chunk run, and then first down, they'd throw the ball incomplete, and then, you know, it'd be three and out, or you know, the drive kind of stalled. And then the second half, though, he was more consistent when they started gashing them, you know, maybe following it up with another run, and just being more patient, as opposed to just, uh, you know, running just a run, like he sometimes does, or feels like. So, uh, yeah. Big win for the Chiefs, though, as... Uh, they stay atop the AFC, and for the Chargers, it just makes life tougher for them to sneak into the playoffs. Uh, and, yeah, great performance. I still – in regards to Herbert, what up? What would you say? Uh, so on the interception, it's second and 15. He mm-hmm. did just get sacked the play before. I don't know if the, what the play before was. It looked like it was a QB draw because Herbert got it and then he immediately stepped up in the pocket like two steps and then got sacked by Chris Jones. So they had to burn a timeout. So it's 26 seconds left, second and 15. They're on their own 20-yard line. So they got to go 80 yards to score a touchdown or they got to go, I don't know, probably like 50 to 60 yards to get near the field goal range. Herbert steps back and within two seconds, Chris Jones is in the backfield mm-hmm. and they only rushed four. He is in the backfield. Like I, I've paused it two seconds after the play started and Chris Jones is seven yards deep on his, on the ground already because Herbert avoided him. But when he avoided him, he goes out to the left and now I think it's Frank Clark. Number 55 is literally in his face within three seconds of the play being called. Chris Jones has moved in Herbert has evaded him, and now Chris and now Frank Clark has moved past the tackle, is in his face with his hand up, uh, could sack him if he just like dove at him, but Herbert's like you know backing up. So as ba- Herbert's backing up, Frank Clark hits him. He throws it to I think it's Keenan Allen, yes. uh, and it was double covered. They tip the ball up, and a third guy comes in and gets the interception. So um, yeah, it is what it is. Like I said, not not the greatest of throws. But he's literally under pressure. He's got if he two takes guys in his face, there. like you just said. Like he got yeah. two guys in his face before he can even set his feet and really. And, you know. and this is almost instantly too. And once again, they don't have their big body Mike Williams out there, so they, he doesn't have a contested guy. So just like, okay, I'm screwed. Just throw it to that guy, and he'll make a contested catch. Um, so if he takes a sack here, you lose another seven yards. It's and now another third timeout because you're gonna have to another take a timeout. timeout. So it's like third and twenty-two. Uh, with like 15 seconds left, you have one timeout. You're not going to get it at that point. So he tries to make a play. It wasn't there for him. Even if he throws it away, it's now third and 15 with 15 seconds left. You still have two timeouts, I guess. It's a little bit more manageable than third yeah, and 20 but it's, with one timeout. It, it's still impossible. So he's trying to make a play there because, once again, like they, they have to get a field goal here. So it's not like you just got to survive another down. No, like time. So, uh it, once again, not the greatest of decisions, but he was under siege. He's literally backing up to his left, too. It's not going to the right. To his left as a right-handed quarterback, and as he gets hit, he makes the throw. Yeah, so let's chill with the overanalyzation. It's a possible-ish moment there. Like, what do you want him to do? Like, no one else, like, yeah. Only maybe two other guys have maybe clutched in that situation, but we've also seen them not convert then, and that's Mahomes and out. Like you mentioned, so, and also no quarterback is making that throw. Yes, like there yeah. was nobody open. 
feel, uh, yeah, it's been our issue is that they haven't really had any. You know, I know um, he had a good game, Josh Palmer, and we'll see if he can kind of be their deep threat, but they haven't really had that. And once again, too, they kind of stalled out in the second half as well until that late drive. They, that was their only points. So um, their offense still not not fully functioning as they have been doing with injuries. So uh, big win for the Chiefs in the division and the conference. Uh, now we go to the Monday nighter over in Mexico City. Uh, unfortunately for those fans, unless they were room for the Niners, it was uh, man, it was a beatdown as the Niners took care of business, thirty-eight to ten against Colt McCoy and the Arizona Cardinals. Although it shouldn't, shouldn't be too shocked once you learn that you know it's Colt McCoy out there starting. No offense to Colt, but yeah. Um, but John, they're calling him Hemi Garoppolo. He had four touchdowns. Um, what were your thoughts in regards to the Niners basically stomping the Cardinals? I, I don't have much to say. I mean, like, good win for the Niners. Kind of expected it. The Cardinals are just in disarray. Cliff Kingsbury, you know, I, I'm still counting the days if uh, if he's potentially going to get fired. The Cardinals are using a backup quarterback in Colt McCoy, and I love Colt McCoy as much as the next guy, especially considering I grew up in Austin. Like, the guy's a legend here. But he's a backup quarterback for a reason, and this is an offense that is built around a, a very mobile quarterback, and Colt McCoy is not that. So you're having to change a lot of what you do offensively in terms of the run game because your run game is almost entirely reliant on Kyler. They're not very good in terms of running the ball. They're one of the least efficient run offenses in the entire NFL, and they just cut Eno Benjamin a couple weeks ago, who's one of their best running backs. So now you got James Conner doing his normal thing, averaging three yards per carry. you got Keontae Ingram, who's a rookie, so it's kind of hard to expect him to do much. So he didn't really contribute. So the run game equated to about like 60 yards, and they didn't really do anything efficiently in that regard. Um, and then on top of that, Hollywood Brown, he did come back from IR, or he didn't come back, but he started practicing, didn't end up getting to play in this game. Rondale Moore plays, gets hurt on like the first play of the game and doesn't return. Uh, Zach Ertz is not playing. Like, I don't know what people expected from the Cardinals in this one. Meanwhile, the Niners on the other side are getting healthy. You got Debo Samuel back. You got Trent Williams back. You got uh, Nick Bosa back. Like, everybody's getting healthy over there. Elijah Mitchell's back. So they're a very healthy team right now. And uh, also, you go to Mexico, and very clearly, the Niners were the home team in this game uh, because the Mexican fans truly loved the 49ers down there. They were booing the Cardinals, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Because Arizona is very close to the Mexican border, um, so anyway, I, I you know good good win for the Niners, uh, but kind of saw it coming. Yeah, I, I don't have much else to add. Um, it's we're kind of seeing you know, okay, we you don't have a star amazing quarterback, so what do you do? You have a great offensive mind around him, and you get him a bunch of weapons, and you you kind of split. No, I don't say split, but make the difference there. You know, and we're seeing you know, even though no one guy put up amazing numbers outside of maybe Kittle with two touchdowns, but he really had you know four receptions. Um, it's who you, who are you gonna guard? You know, kind of like we did with Kansas City. Like who are you gonna double? You can double Tyreek. That's fine. We have Travis Kelsey. And here it's like, okay, you're going to focus your attention on McCaffrey? Okay, we have Debo. And the fact that they're moving these guys around and, uh, you know, different, uh, one play Debo is a decoy. Next play, Chris, like it's, I can't fault the Arizona defense or really any defense, but especially Arizona. We mentioned not much. They have some talent, but it's not overall talent on defense. And uh, especially if your offense isn't doing much on the other end, puts more pressure on you, gives, you know, San Francisco more opportunities. But, uh, yeah, and then Jimmy Garoppolo, not going to really make any mistakes. You know, didn't even take a sack this game either. That's, yeah, it was just pure, utter 
offensive domination by the Niners. They did whatever they wanted. And um, I know it's just the Cardinals, but still a little scary when you see at the NFL level. So, um, yeah, kind of a big confidence-building win for them, as you mentioned, as they keep – they basically are almost fully healthy. Uh, no Eric, Eric Armstead still, too. So once he gets back, just another, you know, another piece you have to worry about if you're playing them. And, yeah, for the Cardinals, I mean – the hard knocks will be interesting because I think uh, our good Arizona representative mentioned that they let go of an offensive line coach too, which I you know, ranted about in our group. And I was like, okay, so you're not a great running team and you're mainly a quick throwing passing team. So not really much pressure on the offensive line. It's not like Cole McCoy got sacked like a million times. He got sacked, you know, three times, but it's Cole McCoy. Kyler probably would have, you know, maybe escaped from one or two of those. So you put, I don't know, I just feel like the, you know, the offensive line coach, whoever his name, their name is, got scapegoated there. Uh, so hopefully they find a job somewhere else. But um, yeah, the countdown, the Cl- the Cliff Kingsbury firing watch continues for us. So um, those are our week eleven reactions. Um, if you're wondering pick wise, there's an update. John and I split the difference. Uh, I want to talk the Jets game, man. If it just goes to overtime, I cover because they probably would have scored a field goal. Granted, I'm not going to complain too much because the New England makes two field goals. That's they cover. Uh, so that that was a little unfortunate. And then the Giants uh, screwed me over. John got Detroit there. And then uh, Indy came through for me and New Orleans. So kind of like how I predicted, split the middle. And I don't think any of our locks, both of our locks missed. Kansas City couldn't cover. And uh, for you, it was Chicago. Chicago couldn't pull that one out, unfortunately. Literally a half point, too. That was unfortunate. Uh, but anyways, we'll be back with our Thursday picks against the spread. Obviously, uh, doing the, th- the Thanksgiving games. That will probably be a separate video. We'll try to get that up. Uh, early as possible since we have a couple of those. Uh, but like I mentioned, we will be doing our week 12 picks later in the week. You can find us on YouTube, Shut Up and Ball, on uh, all, like I said, podcast mediums as, at Shut Up and Ball. Uh, our main Instagram is our main social media platform, and that's at Shut Up and Ball Pod. And Twitter and TikTok are just at Shut Up and Ball. And we have a Facebook page. So, anyways, we will see you all later. Uh, enjoy Thanksgiving if we don't hear if you don't hear from us later. Adios.